Today, we'll be looking at a powerful passage from a lesser known minor prophet called Amos. Now, Amos comes on the scene in ancient Israel, sharing the message that God has for them. Now, if there was a book that would basically be a title for his writings, it would be this, The Country Preacher Who Came to Town. That was really it. Here's a guy that was used to country life and he comes to the big city. He was a farmer, not a career prophet. He tended sheep and sycamore trees out in the desert regions. Collectively, farmers were critical for life. We know this, but individually, especially at this time, they were totally forgettable in pretty much every social sphere. The reality is, if there are no farmers, there'll be no food. There are no lawns, TJs, there was even no Whole Foods, I know. You would have really, you would have relied directly upon the farmers for meat, milk, eggs, produce. Everything was farmed to the table before it was trendy. Amos was low on the social ladder and farmers were rarely, rarely able to climb to the next level. He must have looked so out of place, kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies ruined in a town. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're a little younger than us, then you might have to check it out on YouTube. He was from Judah in the south and was on the scene 750 years before the time of Jesus. He was called to prophesy to the northern kingdom. He was in Judah, and at this time, Judah and Israel were actually two separate nations, but they were at peace at this time. As Amos is checking out the visitor section in Israel's capital, I could just picture him making a beeline right for the religious rulers of the day. He had something that he was supposed to share. As a prophet, he was one of many that represented the voice of God. And he would often speak in the first person, as if God was speaking directly to the recipients that he was speaking to. He wasn't a polished professional. He wasn't trained, prepared for this lengthy ministry. He was a simple farm boy, being faithful to do what God had asked him to do. Many think that he was on the scene really for a short time. Some think maybe just a few days or even a week. His role was call out the waywardness and the rampant injustices of the organized leadership and religion of the day who later, these same leaders, who later plotted against him in order to silence him and run him out of town. That was their goal. He made it clear that God would defend the poor. That he, would, he would take care of the disadvantaged, even if the established leaders wouldn't. Now, important little side note. If you're reading, which I hope a lot of you are, if you're reading through our Bible reading plan, we're actually going through Amos right now. Actually, tomorrow is the same passage. So last Sunday, Pastor, Drew, Pastor Dan drew out ways the Lord commanded the Israelites to live out this idea of justice. One of the key aspects to remember was that the Lord had shown grace and mercy to them and they were called to pass it along. That was the whole idea is that we've been shown this grace and mercy, we need to extend it to others. And that's what they were called to do. The same could be said of us. The Lord cares deeply about justice, which can be defined as the equal and righteous treatment of every person, regardless of race, class, age, gender, employment, maybe even what baseball team you root for, unless it's the Giants, 
or for any other factor. True justice is a matter of honoring God and honoring the image of God inherent in every person. And this is all grounded in God's love for humanity, our love for God, and our love for our neighbor. Each person we come across, if you think about this, they're image bearers of God, everyone. The Lord sent his son to die for the sins of the world, not just those that have their act together, not just those that are issue free. We have a responsibility to honor them, to love them as he would want us to. Now, everybody, this includes the Amazon delivery person that might come to your house, the widow in Thailand that has nowhere to turn for help, the waitress at the local diner, the elderly homeless man at the park, the noisy neighbor across the street, the person who styles or cuts your hair, the person who recently got out of prison and doesn't know how to transition back into society, and the teenage orphan in Rosarito that always feels out of place wherever he or she is. This is about being conscious, conscious of the fact that these people are dearly loved by God and he desires to use us. He desires to use us as church. That's you and me to be extension, be a tangible extension of his grace and love. So we're gonna be looking at this passage, chapter five, verse 21 to 24. These four verses we're gonna go through today, they have two, basically two parts. The first three verses is the rebuke. So this is really the absence, calling out the absence of genuine worship. And the second part is the charge, which is just one verse, verse 24. The charge, this is the call for true justice. So we're gonna read through this passage, just get a feel for what Amos here was trying to communicate. Starting in verse 21, he says, I hate I despise religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Now, Amos here, he doesn't pull any punches. He gets right to it. I mean, his opening line is, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. And then the, the punches just keep on coming through this whole passage. So the main point I want us to walk away with is that our rituals of worship are really pointless unless we're living out this idea of justice to others. And that's what Amos is trying to communicate to the religious leaders of the day. Our religious practices have zero benefit if we don't have concern for those around us. There's hypocrisy to it. The whole point of spiritual practices is to draw us closer to him and for him to change us from the inside out and it would have an impact on the world around us. That's the whole point. May we be people that begin to care about what he cares about. The words of Amos have a familiar feel to them that resemble the words of Jesus in this regard. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come 
and offer your gift. So in order to truly worship the Lord, it's necessary to be in good standing with those around us. Those, those around us are made as an image. We're to stop. Basically, Jesus got to say to stop whatever religious practice you're doing. Stop that. Go make it right. Then come back and continue on. Our horizontal relationships with others impacts our vertical relationship with the Lord. It's just the way it works. So if it's icy on the horizontal level, we're going to often feel distance on the vertical level in our relationship with the Lord. There'll be a disconnect. I know this has probably never happened to couples in our church, but just picture maybe a husband and wife have an intense argument, maybe on Saturday evening, or maybe even on the way to church. Funny how that works, right? So then the whole time you're in church, you're just kind of like, you're just like kind of, well, frustrated, maybe seething, and you, you have a hard time connecting with the Lord because there's something going on on a horizontal level. You can see that being a ploy of the enemy, right? Trying to throw us off. No, stop, be reconciled, and then come back and continue on your pursuit of Jesus is basically what he's saying. In the midst of Israel's ritualistic performance of worship, Israel as a whole, they weren't following the standards. They were missing the mark. Amos calls out this phony worship and basically this false reverence toward God. So he addresses it right there. He says, it's not that they didn't know how to roll through religious functions of the day. They did. They actually were pretty good at it. It's that they would leave worship scene, and then as soon as they would leave, they'd go out and continue basically just to look down upon others. There'd be this hypocrisy. There'd be this radical lifestyle that contradict what God would have them do. Sexual morality, deceiving and cheating their neighbors, neglect to help those in need, maybe even making those in need of their lives a little more difficult, not better. So Amos highlights some of these trespasses in his letter. He says, they sell the innocent for silver. This idea here is for the right price, they'll falsely condemn and even default their neighbors. It says that they deny justice to the oppressed. They won't lift a finger to help the mistreated. Basically, that's what it's talking about. A man and his father will sleep with the same girl. Okay, enough said. You made the Nazarites drink wine. Those that would take a vow of purity before God and say, you know what, we're going to be pure. We don't even want to have wine touch our lips. And these people would actually try to get them to break their vow, almost kind of like, we dare you, we dare you, and try to offer them wine. There is a long list. So these people went through the motions of worship and reverence for God. They knew how to do that part, but yet they would leave the worship scene and engage right back into the unjust and wicked practices. So here you have the rebuke. The absence of genuine worship. So we're going to look at this. We're going to cover these three verses. So verse 21 says, I hate, I despise the religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Now, this would have utterly amazed the religious rulers of the time. They, they thought they were actually were doing pretty good pleasing God by going through these religious, these religious assemblies that they put together. However, God was offended by the religious ceremonies, which are totally disconnected from their hearts and meaningless in, in light of the injustices that they practiced. He says, I despise your festivals. Here's the idea that he's basically saying, I can't stand these. 
Then he adds to it and he says, basically God's stamp of disapproval upon these religious functions by branding them as your festivals, your assemblies. Carrying out of these festivals originally was the Lord's idea. This was God's idea to do these things. But these events become so tainted, become so much just the people's doing due to their hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy basically just means an actor. I'm sure many of us heard this before. We play a role, but that's not who we really are. We kind of have this front life, but our real life behind the scenes is different. When the camera is off, the real person is revealed. The real person comes out. The raw, crude humor, maybe the greediness or being super materialistic, putting other down, devoid of humility, lacking personal times of devotion, God's word for my own, but when I'm at church, it looks like I'm pretty spiritual. There can be a tendency for each of us to fall into this trap, this trap of hypocrisy. It's easy to do it. We, we, we need to have real and honest accountability in our lives where people can kind of point out certain things. Hey, are you in God's word? Are you seeking him just for yourself? How are you doing in these areas? How are you doing loving your family? Hey, this is critical. Verse 22 says, even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. The offerings were to represent the communion and fellowship between those that are offering and the, and the God of heaven and earth that was receiving. So the idea is that there's a, a tangible connection between creation and the creator. It's like a shared meal with friends was kind of the idea here. I think about us today with our priorities when we have worship services. We might come in a little late, trying to get around, might be saving some seats. We get a little distracted, you know, as we get all situated because we have a couple of objectives here. We want to have optimal viewing angle but also have a clear path to exit quickly when it's over, right? But we have to have our coffee. And by the way, about a quarter of you will somehow manage to spill this coffee before it's over. It's kind of helpful that most churches have dark carpet and dark lighting, dim lighting. But is this really what the Lord intended? Is this really as far as our dedication goes? It comes down to priorities. If you're gonna be at one of your best friend's wedding, you wouldn't just kind of casually show up. You'd be on time. In fact, you'd probably come early and be ready to help out with the family. You have tickets to your favorite sports team. You wouldn't be coming 15 minutes late. I bet you might be out there kind of tailgating with your friends beforehand. And your kids are in the school production. Oh my word. You wouldn't be showing up late. No, no, you'd be there 30 minutes early scoping out seats, you know, for aunts and uncles and grandparents because coming late is for losers. And so you'd be there ready. But then I feel like sometimes when it comes to our worship of God Almighty, creator of the universe, we can take it so casually. Verse 23 he says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. The worship, listen to this, the worship would only become noise. Now, if anyone were to describe our church's time of worship and singing as noise, 
No one will see that as a compliment. Can you imagine, like, Andy, that was great. Thanks for that, that noise. That was great. Thank you. No, that wouldn't go over well at all, right? But that's what God heard it as. They were told to stop the worship. And what if that were to happen to us today? What if somehow God was communicate to us, like, just stop the worship. You're missing the whole point. That would be shocking. The songs and melodies were both so displeasing to God because they were totally out of line with the original intent of worship and sacrificial system to begin with. This is about living a double life. They acted one way at church service and acted a totally different way elsewhere, defrauding and cheating others. This all reflected poorly upon not just the religious leaders, but who? The, the Lord. No doubt there were some that wanted nothing to do with this whole worship time, sacrificial system, because of these inconsistencies. So now we're going to get to the charge. The charge, the call for true justice, in verse 24. It says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. I just love this. One more time. But let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. This justice was a run. It was run like a waterfall. And righteousness was to be like a mighty stream that rolls over the rocks and takes anything in its path along with it. God is looking for a heart of those that are filled with his love, love toward him, love toward what is good, love toward the people that crosses our path. For justice to be likened unto water shows how critical and how vital it is to God. In the ancient world, water equaled life. Without it, no community would last long. So basically what God's saying in reality is that a society wouldn't last very long without justice and righteousness. However, the offerings, the offerings that were going up for the Lord, they were not accompanied by acts of justice and righteousness. It's like the offerings just, they weren't complete. Their worship and daily living are radically separated from one another. The Lord wanted their hearts, not their outward only religious activities. So there's actually a ministry called Living Water and International, bringing life-giving water to communities around the world that lack access to a safe water source. So this is a justice issue on itself. Our GO teams have partnered with Living Water many times, mostly in Central America. This brings health and vitality back to these areas, radically reduces illnesses, increases productivity. Why is this a justice issue? Because we believe this is a resource, water, that everyone should have access to, not just those of us from wealthier nations. So this is something that we might take for granted. There's lots and lots of people that don't just even have access to clean water that we just take for granted as we turn on the spigot. For those of us that happen to live in a wealthier nation, you know, we just kind of don't really even see this as being an issue until we go to one of these places or we see video or, or pictures. Over 800,000 people die each year due to waterborne illnesses. One in five children lack access to clean water and end up walking long, often dangerous distances to retrieve water. They estimate over 400 million lost school days each year because of this. 
Billions of dollars lost each year to already unstable economies due to lack of clean water. So in light of this, the Lord is saying, for justice to roll like a river takes on new meaning, right? The essential qualities that are needed for every society. Now here's another example of justice rolling on like a river. One of our local outreach partners, Crossroads Incorporated, they provide housing through their program to help women that have served time in prison and they help them get back on their feet, back into society. One woman named Cindy, she graduated from their year-long program that gave her the opportunity to have a fresh start. During the year, she learned skills. She restarted her education, received practical employment training. After leaving Crossroads, she was trained by a nonprofit organization and was able to eventually find a culinary job. Then eventually she moved to New York as a sous chef. Back in 2017, when she first came to Crossroads, anxiety seemed to plague her at every turn until she asked for help. Now she has confidence, she's productive, and she started a new life. In her own words, she says this, I made a mistake. I am not a mistake. It was very hard to step into the world after being incarcerated for 20 years, but Crossroads made it possible. I found myself crying at night, not because of, because of all the blessings I received each day. It was awesome to sleep in a real bed, wear real clothes and be free. They gave me the tools I needed to get back into the swing of life. Friends, because of what Jesus has done for us, we all have been given a fresh start. We've all been given new opportunities to chart a new path and experience new life. Well, we want others to be able to have this also. People like Cindy. Okay, but the story doesn't stop there. It actually gets better. The next year, Cece, a woman from our church, was looking for a way to serve locally, so we sent her to Crossroads. She started organizing game nights and dessert nights for these women who have recently come out of prison. This was an unusual new thing for them. Then she started collecting nicer dresses for the women to go to church and be able to wear at nicer events. The women started to turn to her when they needed encouragement, prayer. She truly was a light in the darkness because she said yes. She was willing to engage. So this idea of justice, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. This was the go-to verse of the leaders of the civil rights movement. It actually became like a mantra of theirs. This was Martin Luther King's most used verse, and he desperately desired to see justice rolling like a river here in America, as he spoke on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He also believed that, that just as this passage was a warning from Amos to the nation of Israel, he believed it was a warning to America of judgment if there wasn't a change in racial discrimination. This was a powerful imagery and it still is to this day. With justice like a river, we see that true righteousness is not fitful, and like an intermittent stream flowing strongly at one time then kind of stopping or disappearing, but it's continuous, it's unfailing. The good news is that there's hope. There's hope here in this passage for Israel at the time that it was possible to get back to this place of true communion with God. It's possible to set aside the duplicity of their lives and you know what, there's hope for us as well. He wants our hearts to be connected to his that overflow 
with justice. That's what he's after here. One commentary I read about a pastor that was trying to strike this balance. He put it like this. I strive to lead our church to care deeply about not only the lost, but the least. In the mind of the teaching of Jesus, the twin imperatives of the mission of the church were to share the gospel with those far from God and to care for those in need. I like that. I like that idea of going after the least and the lost. But it takes purpose. It takes purpose and balance to be able to pull this off. Those that are least, that have the biggest needs, those that are marginalized. And then those that are spiritually lost, that need hope in Jesus. They don't have a hope eternity. They're lost in their sins. And so we have answers. We have the hope that we can deliver in both of these areas. I love for us as a church to be able to grow in these two areas. I love to be able to personally grow in these two areas of reaching those that are spiritually lost and caring for the least. I'm convinced that meeting physical needs opens spiritual doors. It creates spiritual opportunities that opens the door for us to be able to talk about the hope and life that's only found in Jesus. Notice how with Cece was helping me the physical needs of these women to open spiritual doors. She was able to share her story with them and how Jesus has impacted her life. So what would it look like for justice to flow out of us, out of you and me? Now, it's good to remember that, again, our rituals of worship are pointless unless we're living out this idea of justice on a regular basis. May we love the same things that the Lord loves. There's a song from Brandon Heath years ago, but I think it really kind of hits the point. It's called, Give Me Your Eyes. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I'm missing. Give your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so that I can see. May this be our prayer, our prayer friends, that, that we would take this to heart, that we may have eyes to be able to see people around us and the needs and the love that he has for them. It's called back to what really matters, the calibration, maybe even of our spiritual practices. There are well over 100 Bible passages that speak to this need to be able to reach out to the widows and orphans and the foreigner and the oppressed. This is the heart of God and his desire. We're just gonna look at a couple. James chapter one, verse 27. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We might think that we are, spiritu- that we are really spiritual, but it's a sham, basically it says, if we don't care for those that are left out. Isaiah 1 verse 17 says this, learn to do right, see justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. He cares about the oppressed. He, he's concerned about the fatherless and the widow. Years ago, back in 2018, we took a team here, one of our GO teams, Global Outreach Teams, went to Thailand. And as we are going to Thailand, we make our way to kind of the northern part, kind of the golden triangle between three countries. And so as we were there, we are in a very remote place, very remote village. It was a poor village. It's got a sense that there's just this real lacking, lacking physically, but also lacking spiritually. 
But then that changed. There was missionaries that went there years before, and there was the Caesar planting. You can see that it was vibrant as far as the spiritual health, but there was still a lot of things as far as just their, their physical well-being. So the community center there was just a small shack. There was a table, maybe a couple benches. Most people just kind of sat on the floor. A lot of missing tiles from you know, the tile that was there. Yeah, there was this genuine thankfulness for what they did have, maybe even excitement. And what we did is we actually sent money in advance so that they could prepare food. And the idea is that we would send money to, the, to them that would get to the widows and the widows could prepare food and food for others. And so uh, we also sent money so they could get fabric as well. But I didn't know how this was all gonna kind of play out. So what we realized when we got there, they were so thankful for us that we've been sending this, but not just once, we continually were able to send money to be able to supply this way. As we got there, what we realized is that the, the widows were providing for the orphans in the village. So they would make food and they had food for themselves, but then they would make it for the orphans and would care for them. And then the clothing or even the fabric that we sent them, they would actually make it into clothing and they would make it for themselves so they would have dresses, but then also for the orphans. So it was this beautiful thing that was going on. The widows were provided for and were given purpose to care for the orphan children there. The children were provided for and were given a family that would teach them the ways of Jesus. It was this great idea and wonderful example of justice played out. Caring for the least, those are marginalized, but also not just a handout, this was giving them hope. This was giving a way to move forward. True justice, true justice is a matter of honoring God and honoring the image of God inherent in every human person. And it's grounded in God's love for humanity, our love for God and our love for our neighbor. So what's our application today? Okay, friends, I'm just gonna ask that you would care. I'm gonna ask that you would care, care about the hurting, care about the left out, the neglected, the disabled, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner and the lost. I'm gonna ask that you would care. So actually the word care kind of broken out here. I'm gonna ask that you would take it to the next level and that you would be concerned, that you would ask, that you respond and that you would engage. So we'll go through each one of these. Have concern. I'm gonna ask that you would be concerned. To be concerned is to take, take an interest in something. I wanna know more. We, can, we tend to care about a lot of stuff. What's on Hulu or, or Disney Plus or Amazon? Uh, where do we find the best deals online? Let's line up with what the creator of the universe is care, cares about. He cares about the least and the lost. So when we're concerned about something, we tend to get involved. Maybe your coworker is going through a divorce. You want to take him or her out to lunch, hear their story, and let them know that you're there for them, that you care. Uh, maybe you notice that more and more people are having a hard time during this economy and during this downturn. So you volunteer one of our local outreach partners to be able to help people just like Cece did with Crossroads. Uh, Maybe get inspired to go on one of our go teams, even here in the story today. That maybe you decide to go and go team Baja, where we, we build a house for 
a family that has been pre-vetted and it really gives them a new lease on life because they had them living basically like in a shed of their neighbors or relatives. It begins with having a concern and that's where it starts. Having concern for the world around us. Okay, the second thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically ask that you would just do that. You would ask. We tend to pray about things that we're concerned about. If I'm concerned about something, I tend to pray about it. I turn it over to the Lord. Create a prayer list on your phone of family and friends, maybe particularly those that, that need Jesus. You pray for organizations that you pray for, like Crossroads or this ministry in Thailand. Prayer impacts others. And as we are engaged in God's kingdom, we get involved, we're invested, so it changes us. Heaven is activated by our prayers. Spiritual forces are set in motion as we turn to him and trust in him. So I'm gonna ask that you pray through even the prayer list. You might have noticed there's cards on your seats right next to you. There's something you could be praying for in this regard to justice that are locally and globally connected to LBF for every day in the month of October. And so I would ask that you would you keep that with you. Maybe take a picture of it. Maybe make copies of it. You have a couple different places while you're driving or going for a walk that you would spend time praying over each one of these. Okay, so we ask, but then next we respond. This involves giving. The Bible says where our treasure is, our hearts will be also. So we spend money on what we think is important to us. Uh, we can say that certain things are important to us. However, how you spend your money and your time will really tell the real story. You can actually give. You could give through our church that supports local and global outreaches. You can give directly to one of these local outreach partners. You can give to our own Upwind Community Resource Center, the UCRC, which is a joint venture with Catholic Charities. It's located 100 North Euclid, which is right across from IHOP, right on Euclid, uh, downtown. It's in a, such a, a prime location. We just celebrated two years of being open, and we've been able to help with many volunteers being involved, 1,500 individuals and families. Now, we primarily help people with housing needs, employment opportunities, dealing with food insecurity, but we help with other things too, like memorials during kind of the height of COVID and a lot of other ways as well. One instance, a single elderly, elderly man was living out of his car. He had lost his housing because of increased rental rates and having no increase in his fixed income. When his only mode of transportation and current housing source broke down, he used the last of his resources to fix his vehicle, which left him no way to pay his rent and no place to stay, not even in his car, at least for a while, because it was being repaired. So we were able to provide him with 28 days of temporary housing in a motel, then connected him with low-income permanent housing. And that's just one of countless stories that we have that God has done through this work that you help support by giving to LBF. Okay, the last thing is, I'm gonna ask that you would engage. This is where we roll up our sleeves and we get involved, we get personally involved, and we give what I believe is one of our most precious resources, we give our time. This is where we no longer keep, it, keep the issue at arm's distance. This is where we're really willing to roll up our sleeves, we have skin in the game. We're willing to, to be involved, to take the next step. You can serve locally, 
There's local outreach. We're going to actually have a local outreach next Sunday here, just on campus. We'll have our 12 different partners, plus the UCRC will be here. And so you'll be able to interact and find out more. And you can ask questions of what it might look like to volunteer or get involved. But then also, we have our our Upland Community Resource Center that you can get involved in as well, that would be here represented. And then we're gonna have actual local outreach tours, a few of these places that you can go visit the next month on November 6th. So those are gonna be coming up, be looking for that. So here's ways that you can serve. You have the 12 local outreach partners, you can serve globally, because we'll have a new menu rolling out in January in the new year of different locations we'll be going to, and you can pray about being part of one of these GO teams. But all in all, friends, it's about lining up with God's priorities, kingdom priorities. As Him being our Heavenly Father, may each of us allow Him to direct our priorities. So with that card that you have right there, there's also a QR code on the back that will take you to a link that will go through and tell you about the different local outreaches and also another link for the UCRC. You have it all right there. But in a moment, we're gonna have the prayer team up here. They'll be down here in front of the stage and off to the sides. And if you feel like God is moving in your heart to kind of take a next step, I would ask that you lock that in through prayer. You can pray with others for sure, but you also have our prayer team up here. I'd love to be able to pray with you. So friends, I'm gonna ask that you would care that you would care and take the next step. Let me pray. Lord, line us up. Lord, please line us up with your heart. May we be concerned about those that you're concerned about. Lord, may we be concerned about the lost and the least. We think of those that are lost and least around the world. Lord, we, have, we want to have a heart for them, but also right here, right here in our own backyard. Lord, show us how to make ourselves available. Lord, empower us to, to live out this idea of justice. For it could be a little overwhelming. So Lord, show us how to take that first step. What would that look like? Show us where we can go from here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we leave, I just wanna actually just read this passage over us. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's go and be the church to the world around us, friends. God bless you and have a great rest of your day.